Okay, everybody, here we go. Welcome to Dear Anger. I'm your co-host, Ed Krasnick. My partner, Rini Jane, will be along shortly. And this is a show where we talk about our relationship to anger, how we relate to the feeling, and what is underneath the umbrella of anger. Uh, a lot. Anger is a secondary emotion that Rini often talks about, and a lot of uh, emotions are under it. But it's a very misunderstood feeling, and it's why we decided to do an entire series about it. This is Dear Anger, and just by the title, you can tell it's how we relate to our anger. And in this show, we're going to give you tips, we're going to give you tools, we're going to talk about how to practice, because it is a practice, mental health is a practice. And uh, we're going to hear some role plays. We're going to hear some really interesting things. But first, I want to bring on uh, the first lady of serotonin. Um, this woman, wow, what hasn't she done in the field of resilience, anxiety relief? Has a company, fantastic company called GoZen.com, GoZen.com, and teaches uh, all of the science behind this, the science behind uh, resilience, emotions, mental health, but teaches it in a way that is very creative, using animation, using all kinds of role play, using video, using media, all kinds of techniques, classes. And that is uh, amazing. And she is also someone that studied with the father of applied positive psychology, Marty Seligman. Right? You got his name right. You got his name right. Marty, bring it on. What's up, Marty? What's up, Marty? Uh, yeah. You know what? I had to sign a contract earlier today and it, they ha had title on there. And I think I'm going to go back and edit it and put, what did you say? The queen of the, serotonin? Yeah. Something. Well, you should. <laughs> the first be. lady. The, the first, first lady. lady. Yes. You know, if you, you got to put that kind of title in. That's. And what's your title? Uh, I am the king of pain. Oh. Um, no, I'm the, that was a song. I'm the, yeah, the it was. <laughs> they made it after me. I'm the Hebrew hurricane. <laughs> Perfect for dear anger. It's I love all. It. It's my boxing name too, and it's my martial arts name, my my MMA name. It's not my rap name. Everybody should have a rap name. You, I don't know what yours is yet, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. So today we're talking about messiness, mess everywhere. Are you, Ed, are you, a, a, would you consider yourself to be a clean, organized person? I'm a particular kind of person. I am, uh, I'm actually a disorganized crime leader. Uh, I was a big boss in the, in the East. I uh, had a, a disorganized crime family. And I, <clears throat> no, what I, what I am is I'm one of those people that piles everything. I put it in very neat piles, but they're piles and I don't let anything go so i have a lot of like papers that i could throw out and that's what i have around me i have a lot of papers but they're in neat piles it's not but mess only, everywhere only you understand it there's like a method to your madness well i actually don't understand it because half my life is spending time looking for something that i need that i put in a pile somewhere and i don't know where it is <laughs> well i think no matter where our self-rating is as grown-ups in terms of how organized we are, we are usually 99% of the time more organized than our kids. You know, then we have a kid and we're like, whoa, I am super organized <laughs> compared to this hot mess. But then sometimes it, it works for them. 
you know, like like my daughter is she has stuff. It's I wouldn't call her messy. I really wouldn't. But she has stuff everywhere. I can never find it. But she knows where it is. She knows where everything is. And it's very particular. She happens to have that skill. So I don't worry about I don't really don't worry about her that much. She's not great at picking up, though. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you have the rare four leaf clover that comes into the world <laughs> that is very super organized, you know, wakes up in the morning, puts their diapers where they need to be, puts everything away in their room. But 99% of kids don't come into the world like that. And it is so funny. My kids can, I actually think there should be an award for how fast you can make a mess because the house will be immaculate or the rooms will be immaculate. And I will literally be gone doing something for a few minutes and I'll come back and it is like a tornado went through the room. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. But they sound to me like they're kids. Like that's what I would, like to me, you have young kids. That that to me would be like, that's a, I don't imagine that a kid, do kids actually do it differently than that? <laughs> Well, I think that we forget. I think this is a really good point. That organization and, you know, cleaning up and prioritizing and organizing any space is a skill. It's an executive functioning skill. Right? So for for those of you who are familiar, you may already know that executive functioning is like the CEO or the boss of the brain, right? It's the set of skills that allows you to control behavior, regulate responses, organize information, make plans. And those skills are in development until you're about 25 or 26 years old. So yeah, they don't come into the world having that skill. But a lot of times we look at kids, like you said, that's just a thing that kids do, or that's just a kid thing. And we forget their brains are different than ours. And immediately sometimes we jump to a should. Oh my goodness, you should be able to clean up. You should be able to do this. You are able to make the mess, but you should be able, you know, it's just kind of lazy if you're not able to do it. So instead of shoulding, we really need to go into skills from shoulds to skills. This is a skill that takes a lot of practice to develop. I, I will tell you that I think we have whole generations of people that have learned this by osmosis and have felt bad about themselves in the process. You know, I never learned that there's a way, a process that you have for doing things, for anything. So as a result, I learned everything by osmosis, and I felt badly about myself because I didn't know how to do things step one, step two, step three. I literally just did it and struggled with it, and still do in some ways, and never gave a form to like how, how my brain works because my brain doesn't work that way. I don't have the executive function level of my brain is very, it's not very practiced compared to the creative aspects. It's so funny when you say that, when you talk about step one, step two, step three, and I'm thinking about a kid whose room is messy or everything is messy. They make the car messy, they make the house messy and everything's messy. And we want to go to that place where we're like, oh my goodness, you just did, this is a disaster. Why is everything always a mess? And you should be able to be cleaner. You know, and then I think about what you say about making a plan, one, two, three. And no matter what our belief system is around 
you know, whether this child should have a particular skill at a particular point in time. At the end of the day, if they don't have it, making a plan is just a more dignified way to help them develop that skill that we think they should have. You know what I mean? If you can't keep your room clean, and clean is subjective, right? Their version of clean and our version of clean are two different things. Sometimes my kids will make some big, huge, they're still, they're seven and eight, they're still making these huge forts. And they use every, it's like a pack rat, everything in the house to make the fort. And I think it's an utter disaster when I look at it. And they think it is literally a masterpiece. Right? Uh, uh, <laughs> They're yeah. like, what are you talking about? It's like the ultimate castle that we've, and we're going to keep it. Whenever my daughter likes something that she's created, she uses the words a hundred years. We're going to keep it here for a hundred years. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, if it's there for a hundred more seconds, I'm literally going to have a meltdown. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. but, but taking that, so let's say that we want them to be, okay, fine, cool. Have your imaginary play, make a huge mess. But then I want you to have the skill of being able to clean it up. Just think that that's the goal. So if that's the goal and what we're looking for is them to have a skill, then the way to get to a skill is a plan, right? Having a plan. Well, let me just say this. Let me be Richard Nixon for a second and let me say this about that. Um, that uh, the issue here, I think, is that with this messiness and learning how to plan, what happens is you take this to your emotions and how you deal with your feelings. And then what happens is you don't learn how to plan and no one talks to you about it. And then what happens is you start relating to yourself in a way where you don't have plans for how to deal with the feelings and thoughts that come up. So there's no plan right? I've learned that there's no plan. I feel bad about myself. And the messages I give myself in my head are, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're not as good as other people, you're doing it wrong. Where do those things come from? They come from the fact that you don't have a plan. <laughs> they come from the fact that no one ever taught you that there are steps. And if you knew steps, then you would deal with your feelings and thoughts in the same way. So this is really a big issue now that we're talking about. This is not about cleaning a room. No, but organized living or being organized, some whatever the organization is, is such a trigger for people. And I'm I'm interested, I was interested in why is it so triggering? <laughs> what is going on? I think definitely there are things that happen in childhood, the way that you're parents or caretakers related a clean, cleanliness to, um, I don't know, living a good life almost. You know, you have to have a clean home and that was seen as a really truly a value. You know, they've done research on this, Ed. It's so funny. They've done research at Princeton on what happens when someone feels like their visual field is cluttered. Basically, there's a mess in the home. And kind of to paraphrase the study, it restricts the ability for people to focus, right? And for the brain to process information. Basically, clutter makes us distracted, unable to process information, and it spikes our cortisol levels or stress in our body. Isn't that amazing? 
It's amazing. It's not. It's not. Ter- it's not that surprising, though, when you think about it. You just have a lot more stimulus to to process, and and that's why I always I always go back to this. It's a strange association, but John Lennon years ago, when they did a video of the song "Imagine," uh, it's him in his house, and it's all white, and there's nothing in the house. It's just a piano bench, and like it's very open space that he does this video in. And it always got me thinking of like, that's why you can imagine all these things because there's no crap around you. And that's what you need. Like that's, that's when I want my house to be. I want my house to have nothing in the closets. No, nothing, nothing shoved anywhere. We have a, we have a family that shoves everything everywhere. Like everything is like, (laughs) Oh, it's a bookcase. Feelings or stuff or both. Oh, both. Well, both, because I think my, by my teachers used to say how you do anything is how you do everything. So mm-hmm. that's really true. It's like, no, I'm not. It's not that I'm disorganized in one way, but I'm super organized in other ways. It's it's this is a you know, it's a domino thing. It, re- re- it really is. And so, you know, so while you're, you know, the mess inside is the mess outside or some people, I guess, respond to it like they're super picky because they're such a mess inside, you know, so they, they externalize it. Anyway, these, these are a lot of different things to say, but, but, but what you're saying too is that there is a science behind it. There's something that's going on in the brain. There's something that's developing. There's something that we need to be aware of, especially when we're parents and the kids' brains are developing. Yes, I think it's so important to remember that there ability to organize, first of all, is different than our ability. We have had practice. Secondly, you know, there is nesting science that a lot of women know about, a lot of men know about as well. But the science of what happens when you get pregnant and you have this urge to clean, to organize, to get life in order, this has been studied, right? It's an adaptive behavior um, that has stemmed from our evolutionary past to get things in order for the baby to come. So I think we need to be aware that our brain is different than our kid's brain, and we've even had an evolution as we grow, right? So we're different. So let's look at our kids and not say, okay, they're you know, my goodness, how, how could you live like this? How could you leave, um, you know, a pizza box in your room that's ugh, gross and disgusting and horrible and who would do that? No, they're developing, their brain is different. They view organization in a different way. They're still developing the skills. So I think it's so important to start there. Okay, so should we play this out? In a, in a, you know, we always on the show, uh, we have role plays and they're from different people uh, doing different things, parents and kids, how they interact. And we have, usually, we have a role play of a before and after. Like, this is how things usually go, and here's how it would be with a maybe a different skill that you would use. So maybe we but, should figure that out. Let's do that. Let's play what happens when a mom comes in to their daughter's room. Let's see what happens. Let's get ready, people. Flying on the set. Rolling. Rolling. Your room is a pigsty. There is no negotiating. Clean it now. No one's coming over. I'll clean it later. You said that yesterday and the day before and the day before. I know, I know. But just, but just later, okay? Later is here. 
Clean it up or lose TV tonight. I'll just watch on my phone. You will not have a phone to watch on at this rate. Okay, man, don't get so mad. And look at this. It's going to take me hours. There's stuff everywhere. I can't, I can't even do it. Figure it out. How are you going to get anywhere in life if you can't even clean a room? It's ridiculous. Mm. And we've catastrophized. Yes, <laughs> are you going to get anywhere in life? Yes. <clears throat> there it is. And those statements, and we think they don't mean anything. Like we think, God, I can globalize anything and it doesn't, you know, that doesn't stick. Of course, you can repair anything. But those statements take a toll. What's happening in this scene? There's so many different things happening in the scene. The mom walks in and immediately right, takes <laughs> takes the daughter off guard probably. And it's like, what? Because to the mom's brain, oh my goodness, how could you leave your room like this? Right? And I've told you a thousand times. But remember what we're talking about, that the daughter is not viewing this, and maybe she is, but a lot of times not viewing this as the utter disaster or to the magnitude that the caretaker or the grown-up is, right? So there is a difference in perception, a hundred percent difference in perception. But then the other thing is, is that you go right away to, my goodness, you know, you're never getting anywhere in life. You can't even do this. And the implication is laziness. What are the voices in your head? What do they sound like? They sound like the mom. You'll, you'll never get anywhere in life. And I'm not blaming parents. I'm not saying, oh, that's your fault. I'm saying that our brains hook on to those things and they become our critical dialogue that we use with ourselves. It's not a dialogue. It's a monologue. It can be a dialogue. That's what we're learning how to do with mental health practice. But it becomes... Oh, what do you say to yourself when you don't feel good about yourself? You'll never make it. You'll always, always, never, always. These are the thinking skills that we develop. So I'm, I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot in this and we all have, it, it's a, it's an awareness and it's making choices and it's a, it's a practice. You practice these things and be conscious of them. And, and it's not easy to do. But it, it has a key to how you relate to yourself and how you move through life. I think the thing about anger is what we know from the science is it goes so quickly, Ed, right? All of a sudden, something triggers you and instantly, instead of taking that time to have the conversation with anger, dear anger, what are you trying to tell me right now? We just move to speaking really quickly and speaking very loudly and reacting, essentially. And what this show is all about is being able to suspend time for a moment. The moment something is triggering, there are so many factors. You know, how were you spoken to as a child? What would have happened in your household if you left your room like that, right? These things come up. What words did your parents or grandparents say to you in a situation like this? And if we were able to relate to our anger and have that space. We don't have that space. We don't make that space. But this show is about creating that space. I think everyone who's listening has been that voice of the mom at some point and then later said, wow, I could have handled that differently. you know. And the only way to handle it differently is to practice, to create that space and practice. Look at the words that you're saying. Are you saying, who would live like this? 
it's not so hard to clean. You know, what are we equating organization to? And if it is anything other than a skill that needs to be developed, I think we can question those deep-rooted beliefs that we have. But again, that takes time to kind of explore. So in this situation, you know, where the mom comes in, we definitely have an after. And I know a lot of people are probably actually curious about, well, how do I get my kid to actually clean their room? Mm -hmm. So we do have, aside from the ability to connect with our kids, we do have a little bit of a suggestion, you know, a strategy for you. Should we play the after version of this role play? Sure. I'm going to get some popcorn. Light, camera, and action. Your room needs some help. Clothes go in the hamper. Food stays downstairs in the fridge. Those papers go in your backpack. Someone's coming over. Clean it later. I know you don't want to do this right now, but you have to start somewhere. You've been saying you'll clean it for days. That's the thing. I kind of did try to clean it a little yesterday. But it's just too much. I get it. It's gotten overwhelming. But keeping your room clean and figuring out how to get through overwhelming things is a life skill. Tell you what, let's break it up. Can you think of one category you can clean today? Category? Mom, seriously? Work with me here. I I don't know. Papers? Okay, start there. You just have to clean up papers. That's one tiny step. You can do it. Oh, fine. I'll do papers. Okay. So she, the mom, first of all, came in, obviously, and the demeanor was completely different, right? And that created connection. It's like, I see your struggle here. <laughs> I see that you're struggling with this. And I really want to help you figure out how to get it done. And that opened up the daughter to be able to say, like, I'm overwhelmed. It's too much for me. And so what the mom used in there, whether she knows it or not, is a little bit from the science of procrastination. One thing that keeps us from doing something we know we need to do is overwhelm. And procrastination, a lot of times people think it's a time management issue. It's actually a coping skill. We procrastinate because we don't want to feel bad in the moment. So we're pushing off the bad feeling. It's like it's a coping skill that's not really effective in her life because it ends up coming back to us. But what we know from the science of procrastination is that when you feel overwhelmed, you break the tasks down into smaller, more manageable chunks. What's the first thing that the mom says? And you can hear her almost take a breath. And she says, I get it. So the first thing is she's able to acknowledge it is overwhelming. I felt overwhelmed before. I see it. I get it. I hear what you're saying. She's validating her, but she's validating her in a real way. It's not just words. I get it. That's pretty simple, it seems like, to do. But it's very hard to trust as a parent to believe that it's okay to just say, I hear what you're saying. I get it. It's a big deal. And and so that's a big that's a big piece of this. 
And then you can figure out other other ways to go, you know, with with how you're going to approach this. But one thing at a time, you know, one minute at a time, one moment at a time, one thing at a time, breaking things down. It's just a great general way to approach mess. It's also a great general way to approach emotions. I think it's really important that when we're listening to these role plays that we don't get extremely hyper-focused on the outcome, right? Because I know a lot of parents will be like, well, if I told my kid to clean up one thing, they would pick up one pencil. And I, I totally understand that, especially having this struggle, frankly, personally in my own home with organization and wanting my kids to be to learn that skill of organization. But we really, 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 as much as we can, want to be process-focused because the process here is connection with our kid and collaboration. Do you see in the first role play, we were being dictators, essentially. Clean up your room or lose your phone. Right In the second one, we are trying our darndest to use collaboration. Listen, it's not me versus you. It's us versus this room. <laughs> the room is like the blob. And how are we figuring this out? Let me guide you. Let me guide you and let me activate some of your problem-solving skills. You know, there's mess in our lives, but what anything is solvable. Um, but when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, he said it's one small step for man. He's taking a step. That's what it is. The biggest thing in the universe started with a single step. And yeah. listen, with this messy stuff, I mean, if all else fails, donate all your possessions and move into a tiny home. That's basically... I love that idea. I watch those shows all the time. And I'm like, listen, it's just like, what is all this crap? Like, why <laughs> do you need any of this? There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. They sell a lot of stuff at strip malls. There are a lot of strip malls. And there are yeah. a lot of things. <laughs> We're consumers. And it's a problem. I mean, it's a, big, it's a big issue. You could live with a lot less if you thought about that. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. But, you know, as we are asking our kids to clean up one corner and think about one category, I think that's how we have to think about sort of working on our parenting skills. So don't be overwhelmed by this, you know, just work on a little corner of your life. And even in and a lot of these role plays, it's like, you know, the parents, I know you're sitting out there, you're listening and you're like, that's not me. That's not going to be me. It isn't going to work that way. It will never work that way with my family. Well, here's the thing. It's your intention. It's your awareness and your intention. Your, it's one small step for your family is actually going in and saying, I get it. If you as a parent this week have an, an I get it moment where your kid is screaming or upset about something or reacting in some way to some life thing, and you take a breath, and instead of talking back, you say, get it. That's going to change your life <laughs> right there. I don't care what else you do. That is so true. That is what the show is all about. You can be angry. It is a natural part of our humanity. But are you able to create space so you can still show up in a way that you're proud of for yourself? And that's all it's about, right? That's what, that's what this is about. Yeah. The sh yeah. The the show was going to be called Dear I Get It, but it was too long. And so we went to Dear Anger. That's right. And speaking of long, I think it might be time to wrap. It is. It is. I hear the music in my head, even though people can't hear it. It's the music they play just before they go to commercial break. 
And it says it's time for another episode to come to an end. A lot of learning in this one, Rainy. A lot of learning. I learned something. Okay, good. I am actually looking at the mess on my desk right now, and I'm going to try to apply some of these skills. I get it. I get that there's a mess. I get that it's all my fault. <laughs> no, that's not what you want to do. But listen, nothing's perfect, right? I mean, it's funny because that made me think there is science on messy desks and its relationship to creativity. There's a direct correlation. So keep it messy. Okay, keep it messy. Keep it real. Keep it creative. Take care of yourself. Love yourself. Uh, write in to us. What do they do if they write in and where do they find us? I always ask you these questions. <laughs> if you guys want to write to us, write to go at gozen.com, G-O at G-O-Z-E-N.com. We would love to hear from you. And to find us, go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash dear anger. That's it. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.